he's it, built for this. He's born for this. Even if it wasn't like totally his pick, he had to sign off on it. It's Kevin he, Colbert's pick, okay? Kevin Colbert should have his name on the last five drafts of his career, which really did a lot of damage. But there's no way on earth Mike Tomlin would have sat by silently and said, I think this is a huge mistake, but sure, guys, go ahead and do it. Because guess what? If he felt that strongly about it, I don't think that pick would have been made. Exactly. If Mike had slammed his fist on the table and said, you know what? This is a huge mistake that we're going to regret for years. We need to just go with Mitch this year and Mason, and this is just a bad year at the position. They wouldn't have drafted one. Uh, Of course he wouldn't because Colbert got to walk away. Mike was the one that was going to have to live side by side and be a roommate with Kenny. He was going to have to be the one that was holding hands with him for the next however number of years. Kevin was on the was on his way out. So if anything, even if for you know most of their career, and I don't even believe this is true, but let's say going into most drafts, it was an equal partnership. The last one when they worked together, it should have been more about Mike. Because it was gonna Mike was gonna have to inherit all this stuff and do it all on his own because Kevin was gonna be gone. So I don't want to hear, I mean, Mike is a very smart guy. He went to law school. You know, he, I don't think you can, you can't just hide behind. We don't actually know how things get done. You said it right. You can make logical, draw logical conclusions over uh, how how involved Mike is with the draft process. Like there's he circumstantial goes to these, evidence, to use a legal term, that yes, he's very involved. He, he goes to all these draft visits in the Senior Bowl and then just sits there and twiddles his thumbs while Kevin makes the picks. Well, no, we don't know. Does Art Rooney have a... He wouldn't even say necessarily that that Kevin's making the picks. Does Art Rooney just get involved in the three of them huddle and then a piece of paper with a name on it emerges and nobody knows who actually wrote the name? I'm just tired because other franchises, everybody knows. When the Dallas Cowboys make a pick, it's ultimately Jerry Jones's pick. Is it not? He has a guy that I know he trusts down there who's like his second in command, but it's Jerry Jones's pick. He's the de facto GM. Yep. Everyone knows that. I don't know of another team... Where if we asked Mike Florio who buys the groceries, who builds the roster, I don't know that there's another team where Mike would say, guys, i got to be honest, we don't know. They do such a good job of shielding any of themselves from blame. Well, what, what, some of the national media, I'll give them credit. We played Kyle Brandt. Stephen A. Smith even said it yesterday, and we played it. Like Some of them are starting to be nudged in the direction of finally calling out Tomlin for things. Many of others that are just... Uh, and Tomlin, we tr- trust, and they're loyal to the hill all the way. But Mike did allow there. He said, he did say there, I don't think Kenny Pickett is an NFL starting quarterback. Okay, so if Mike Tomlin brings back Pickett as their starting quarterback next year, what is Florio going to say then? Maybe it was an Art Rooney he, decision. Exactly, we that don't he know was forced to do it. it by somebody else. We don't know who actually did it. It might have been Art telling him he needs to do that. Then why would Mike want to coach in a place where he gets told what to do by the owner. Well, maybe it wasn't Art, but maybe Kenny hypnotized Mike. I, I just, this, I was telling somebody about this. You know what the word enervating means, Pony? I know you do. Yes. Makes you, you know, you're exhausted. It's just, I love that we get to talk about this for a living, but the actual nature of the arguments themselves as they come from us and probably most of the local media versus national media and some fans, it just becomes so exhaustively uh, circular. They say the same things in the absence of any evidence to support the claims. I feel like we're sitting here correctly deducing what happens, and it's like it just gets it's spitting into the wind. Cause, and, then, and then what I'm left with, and I don't know if you feel the same way. I certainly don't want to speak for either of you two. Aren't you guys left with an overarching feeling, though, or, or maybe you're not, 
that this is all just going to be same old, same old this offseason? Donnie threw out there, he thinks there's a chance Faulkner and or Sullivan come back as the offensive coordinator. I think next year we are talking about this on August 29th or whatever. Well, we're not going to get fooled again here on the PM team. Kenny Pickett's had a nice preseason, and he'll start the season as the starter. But with offensive coordinator Mike Sullivan in place, we can't expect much of anything. Nine and eight, Steelers somehow have a winning season, either lose in the wild card round or miss the playoffs. Art's going to tell us it was a great year. You know, Steely McBeam got hurt in a tragic drawing accident, and the Steelers had to overcome that. Well, as of right now, who would you guys say is the betting favorite to be the Steelers' Pickett, offensive I would, coordinator? Oh, the betting um, favorite to be their offensive that's coordinator. A good, that's a good question because I actually I don't agree with you that it's just going to get handed over to one of those two people that are already on staff. I do think it's going to come from outside the organization. So I mean, I, I really hope it does. I will be I will be very happy it does. You know what's sad here? If I were making a chart, I'd include names that like really piss me off, like Luke Getze, Alex Van Pelt, because I just think there is such an like an incurious approach to it on their part. Hey, does the guy have Pittsburgh connections? Like they think that matters to fans, whether a guy played at Pitt, went to Steel Valley. You know what I mean? Like they clearly think that that matters. I don't think that there's a clear favorite. That's why it's such a good question. Even the guy that I would put as the as the betting favorite would still be like four to one or five to one odds. Who do you think? Like Leftwich? No, I don't. McCarthy. See, Mike McCarthy is a situation that reminds me a lot of a lot of Munchak. You'd have and, to pay and, him a lot of money to do it. No, well, yeah, you'd have to you'd have to pay, I think you'd have to compensate him well. But the only reason why he would take a job like that is because we're in Pittsburgh. I don't think he'd be an offensive coordinator for thirty-one other teams. I think he would look at it as a slap in the face and as a gigantic demotion that a Super Bowl-winning coach who's won. 12 who won 12 games again this year he would never do it but would he come back home would he maybe do like it? for a year to try to get right back in there if they have a good offense he you know i mean I, I think that's why i would not completely rule that out i mean there's all other kinds of hang-ups there that would make it difficult and make it a little bit far-fetched but if you are say the eagles the eagles can't hire mike mccarthy to be their offensive coordinator the steelers might be able to because you can appeal to him on a personal level on an emotional level. Come back here. Can you appeal yeah, you to him on a practical coach. level? Hey, we got a pit quarterback. You're a pit guy. Make that you know, that's that's what they would try to do there. So I don't think Mike that that's, watches film though. I don't think that that's completely off the table. But I would not make Mike McCarthy the betting favorite to be the Steelers offensive coordinator. I think it's I think it's more likely it's somebody like Jay Gruden, John's brother, somebody like that, who's done it before who has offensive play-calling experience and has a connection to Mike. So you don't think Faulkner or Sullivan are among the, the favorites? I'd put them in, like, the top five, but I would not make either one of them the favorite. I think that... I'm just, like, so accustomed to them do, doing oh, doing moves like that. Sure. Like, hey, we like to promote in-house around here. Well, it would be easy for we them to do it. We think our guys know, Art know could, the most. Art could say that. We but, like the offense's but, look. By the way, here. to circle back to Watt for a second and what he said there about playoff win, he is dangerously close to becoming this era's Dick Butkus. You know, great, 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 great Hall of Fame player, no playoff win. Even Barry Sanders... Who we look they at were in the is, NFC title game, weren't they? Yeah. In 91. They lost to Washington. They got crushed, yes. But he had the game before that is his famous run against Dallas where he runs into a pile of humanity I mean, and just, pops out the other I, side. I'll, put, I'll give this test to Donnie. He can look it up during the break. 
try to and, and Butkus is going back to the 50s and 60s. Try to find a player in the modern era since the merger who's a Hall of Famer who never won a playoff game. Are there 10 guys? I mean, that's where Watt's at right now. Megatron? They never won one. That's a great one. Good job off the top of your head. Because he's already in, right? Yeah, he's yeah, in. Yeah, he is in. I mean, that's... I feel like that's one of the very few guys that's, that you could even name. But that's the territory he's in right now, man. That's where he's at. Yeah, I mean, I thought... I, I Just off the top of my head, like I thought of some... like big-name defensive guys like through the 2000s and into the 2010s, even some of those linebackers that I know are like short career but absolutely Hall of Famers like Willis and Keekley, they both got very far in the playoffs, and some of them even more than once. Follow up on that last thing about T.J. Watt. We found two guys, Joe Thomas and Calvin Johnson, Hall of Famers who – Never won a playoff game. In Thomas's case, never even appeared in, in one. In the modern era, because guys like Gail Sears and Dick Butkus back in the day never won playoff games. Steelers would have had one in Ernie Stotner, but again, pre, pre-merger, so it doesn't count. We can't find a defensive guy. I think the closest I found, Pony, is Leroy Selman. Won one playoff game. Bucks got to the NFC Championship game in 79. They lost to the Rams. Yep. So... Maybe that's why he's talking about just winning a playoff game. It is just, it's so stark. I I think, like, if you had said that at almost any point in the last 30 years. That that the best Steelers Steelers player had never tasted a playoff victory? No, I'm saying, like, now granted, the sports talk world wasn't what it is now back then. But if, like, 1997 or something, or 2001, right? Yep. A Steelers player just said, I'd really just like to win a playoff game. People here would have been like, what the hell is he talking about? Get trade his ass. Why isn't he thinking about a Super Bowl? You imagine uh, Greg Lloyd going, you know, just once I'd love to win a playoff game. By the way, our listener, our listener texted and just found somebody. Who? Cortez Kennedy, Seattle. <laughs> Appeared in only one playoff game. So that's the company he'd keep. Who's that listener? Good job. It's somebody with an inappropriate Twitter name. All right. All access with Aditi starts right now. Aditi, your reaction to Mike Tomlin telling his players he's coming back? Not even remotely surprised. But you and I have discussed this, haven't we? Like, obviously, in a season like this where he's doubted in every way, that's all the more reason to want to come back. Sure, but when guys like Glazer and Schefter put it out there, you got to at least pay attention to it. I mean, especially maybe Glazer. to some especially degree, Glazer. but you also mm, no. You yes, don't. but you but you can't see through that. You can't see that there's some frustration on the Tomlin side that he's not more appreciated. That there's not more of a recognition of the things that By who, though, fans or his ownership because owner I think appreciates him a ton, and I don't know how leaking oh, something sure. to Jay Glazer would help him with fans who don't he doesn't feel appreciate him enough. I thought it was a leverage play, by the way, Aditi, that he maybe want, knows that there's going to be an extension talk coming up and he wants certain conditions as well as money. He's already, you know what? He's already one of the highest paid coaches. And what are the conditions? What I mean, Even he already has as much personnel. power as you'd want. I don't know. Uh, really? You think that there's any fight about any of that? I actually don't, but I do wonder, is there going to be strings attached to the offensive coordinator hire? Who makes that? Does he make it? Look, we've already talked about this. It, Art Rooney has more incentive than he's ever had before, financial incentive, 
to make sure that this team performs better on the field. This isn't just about family pride. This isn't just about family name. This isn't just about legacy. This is Art Rooney now has more incentive to make sure that this team is incredibly successful on the field. So is that your way of saying you think Art will have the most say in who their next offensive coordinator is? I don't know if there's a most say. I just think that if there were any time, we know that Art Rooney is a very non-confrontational person. We know that he is not quite the sort of personality that Dan Rooney is or that the chief we are told was, or at least I, you know, I've never had an experience in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do believe that he will have more input and there is incentive for him to have more input, even if that is not necessarily his inherent nature. Do you think art will go outside maybe what, I wouldn't call a comfort zone, but it usually seems like there's a Pittsburgh connection with a lot of their coaching hires um, and a lot of front office. Andy Weidel obviously is from here. Like they either coached here, played here, or were from here. Do you think? Yeah, that and are elevated from within. And correct. Yeah, I things mean, that frustrate. Do you think they might well go away that from that? Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Do you think uh, what I was going to get to, Aditi? Sorry, it was a laborious question. Is with more incentive than ever to have a good product on the field. It hasn't really worked all the time or even often lately doing it that way. Do you think they might go outside of their collective or arts collective or his personal comfort zone with this kind of a hire? I think it's too smart of an organization not to. We're not talking about people that are stuck in their ways that are doing, you know, like what we saw out of Cleveland today, that that's where you're just sort of uh, certain organizations don't necessarily surprise you. Wait a minute, just to make sure the our Steelers, listeners know what you're talking about, you're talking about firing Alex Van Pelt as the offensive coordinator, right, when you say that? And Stump Mitchell and T.C. McCartney. These are other so offensive assistants, I'm guessing? Correct. Okay. So you're talking about Stump Mitchell is the running back coach who's been an NFL running back coach for more than two decades, who is yeah. universally respected, who lost arguably the best running back in the game and got two guys that had never been anything and one guy off the couch to still perform. You've got TC McCartney, a young tight ends coach who got the best year ever out of David and Joku and production out of a tight ends room. And you've got Alex Van Pelt who had to prepare five different quarterbacks and a team that had all sorts of all pros sitting on IR. And yet they somehow made it. Now that you say that out loud, it makes no sense that the quarterback, that the offensive coordinator would get fired after a season like that with so much upheaval. Um, where they made the playoffs, right. where they overachieved. I mean, Joe Flacco off the couch. But anyway, I digress. The thing here is, and because we're limited and we don't get the whole hour here, I think the bigger thing here, and I spent a lot of time today talking to a lot of Steelers that I spent a lot of time with when I was in that locker room regularly. The biggest thing to come out of that game, in my mind, is what Najee Harris was talking about, about internal, in-house, He didn't use the word policing. I'm going to use the word policing. At this point, we know that there that Mike Tomlin, as phenomenal as he is in certain ways, is not going to police his locker room in a certain way that from the minute that he filled the minute that he replaced Bill Cower, he has 
expected the grown men in his locker room to manage certain things within that locker room. And I'll go all the way back to when Antonio Brown had those unbelievably stupid touchdown celebrations. If there was ever a moment when Antonio Brown needed to be talked about, talked to about his blocking, you knew that guys like Marquise Pouncey and Ramon Foster were talking to him. You knew a guy like Vince Williams was talking to him. You knew that there was enough internal veteran leadership that this is why Mike Tomlin hasn't had a player leadership council. Almost every single team that I go to has a leadership council. And it's beyond the captains. It's a group of 10 guys. Sometimes it's even 15 guys. And they regularly meet with the head coach to talk about internal things. They'll sometimes go to a head coach and say, you need to come down on this or a fine for missing a meeting is not enough. It's not serving as a deterrent. Certain wide receivers are only seeing that fine as a cost of doing business. You need to do more. Mike Tomlin's never had that because he's always had a locker room that internally managed situations like that. And so when I hear Najee Harris sitting here, and I know, and Pony, you know, I texted you that in the middle of the night when I saw that clip. When I hear Najee Harris sitting here and talking about that, and he goes out of his way to say it's not on the coaches, you need that internal policing of the locker room. You need players to not just have a coach say, I'll sit you down, which, of course, Mike Tomlin has never done and won't do. I mean, Bill Belichick sat a guy for the Super Bowl. Correct. Mike Tomlin wouldn't even sit George Pickens the next week. He wouldn't even sit Deontay Johnson for one quarter or one series the next week. So that's not going to come from the head coach. You don't have an assistant head coach, a Coach Mitchell sword or somebody who's going to be the heavy at this moment. Maybe you will get one next year, but you need that internally. So who is that guy? I, I'm happy that you clarified that it was you that sent me a text at 1230 in the morning because my <laughs> wife was wondering and she thought it might be hard to believe maybe like a lover or something, Malzi. I know after those no, Amanda, it was just a... <laughs> that went viral. Sorry, Amanda. Don't you show her your phone? Like, I aren't do. you just like, but it's just a Didi? But the buzzing went off and she's like, what's going on here? Who is that? And I'm like, oh, it's a Didi. She's like, why is she texting this late? An 18 wheeler could drive through my bedroom at night and Alex wouldn't wake up. I'd be good to uh, go on that front. Aditi, we'll talk again Is next. that why you never responded? Because I was in trouble with Amanda? No, it was just the baby was... We got to, a combined two hours of sleep that night. She wanted to play oh, I'm so at sorry. midnight. She wanted to have fun in games and not sleep. So, Well, she why. was trying to put you in a better mood after that loss. Actually, Wait, you're going to let me say all of this and you're not even going to respond? We're not going to have a conversation? We, it's just going to be this one-sided thing? Well, we're going to... Is that how that works? We're going to have to follow up on it next because we have to go. But yes, we will respond to it. But thank you. We'll talk next week. All right. Great. Bye, Bye, guys. Bye. Time for the Donnie Football Debrief. Donnie's unique look at football, and it's brought to you by the Iron Rock Tap House. Come see what everyone's talking about. Mr. Football? The Debrief, January 17, 2024. Uh, I want to get back into uh, a topic that Aditi did bring up. It was the, the news broken by... Josina Anderson this morning. The Browns just cleaning house on their offensive staff. Alex Van Pelt, the OC, out of there. Uh, running backs coach Stump Mitchell, who has the the epic white Santa beard and the dreadlocks combo. Uh, Epic-looking human. Tight ends coach T.C. McCartney. He's gone. 
bizarre move given what the Browns season just looked like. They won 11 games. They got blown out in the playoffs, but their star running back who I, I think is without question a top three player at the position in the game out for almost the entire year since week two. Quarterback issues all season long until Joe Flacco gets pulled off his couch and Did you mention together. all the offensive line injuries that they endured? Yeah, they, they lose half the offensive line in which they have one of the best in the league. Joe Flacco has a great month plus of play and when it comes down to the tight ends, Njoku became a star. Like I kind of laughed at them giving him such a big money deal last year. He became a legit player this season. You know what, though? And it just seems bizarre that they would clean house and seemingly not be satisfied. They were tied for 10th, I want to say, in points per game this year. So that point, that last thing about how the Brown season ended the same place the Steelers did, and even though we can look at their situation and think, well, they really didn't underachieve offensively, and yet they're demanding more, asking more out of their assistance. Like, that's the kind of higher standard you want the Steelers to hold their coaches to. Um, ultimately, though, I think the Steelers and Browns come out of this season with the same kind of hollow, empty feeling. Yeah, we finished with a winning record, both teams did, and we made the playoffs. The Browns got blown out even worse than the Steelers did. By the team that they traded three picks, yeah. uh, three firsts to, and, to get a quarterback that they're not even sure and, will be and, good. And both, exactly, and both have quarterback quandaries. That's the problem with both. I mean, that's... If I was in Cleveland, so help me God, like that would, that would number one, suck, but then I would be like, once the game ended, I would be like, okay, now we're back to square one. We're going to have to play Deshaun Watson next year. Doesn't feel like he's worth the money. That was a bad deal. That was a trade that we regret, and now we got to try to make the most of it when his cap hit takes a considerable leap and jump next year. So I don't think, Chris, I don't think that team's any better off than the Steelers. Obviously, Cincinnati is, even though they finished in last place, because Burrow comes back, and they're now going to play the easiest schedule of any team in the division. So that is a huge head start for them next year. And as much as I get on Lamar Jackson, they win a ton of games with him. Playoffs, we'll find out on Saturday if he can get rid of that bugaboo. But um, right now it feels like the Steelers are playing for third place next year. I'm going to do a little bit of devil's advocate uh, behavior here about the Browns. When you decide as an organization you're not happy with a particular group of, of coaches like this, Presumably, you have some reason, whether it's the right reason or not, is going to end up being, you know, this, that story gets told by what happens next. But they at least decided something wasn't to their liking and decided to act on it. I understand, as I say this out loud, it could blow up in their face spectacularly. Because most things do with them. It could. Yep. Yeah, and it very well might. But I think you have to, especially in this town, where one of the things we continue to talk about is how intractable the entire organization is about changing anything that they do in any significant way, I have to at least give another franchise credit for deciding something was a problem and deciding to act on it. Instead of just letting it fester or just assuring their fans, uh-uh, you're the idiots that don't get this. We're all good here. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I mean, and I'm, I'm glad that Aditi feels like that the Steelers will go outside 
and thinks it's like a foregone conclusion they'll go outside for their next OC. When she said they're too smart of an organization but be not honest, to, I thought, man, they're they're very much a stubborn enough one to do exactly what we all think they're going to do. That's the exact thought I had. Like, okay, they might be smart, but they are absolutely among the most stubborn across the board. And they think that their people are always the smartest ones and always the best options. I think with player acquisition, they've obviously started to do things differently. And I give Tomlin, that's something I will give Tomlin credit for, working with Khan and Weidel to shape the roster in a way that I that I think is more in line with today's NFL. If it was Tomlin and uh, Colbert, they wouldn't have gotten Jones and Porter. I agree. I, I steadfastly believe that. I agree with that. Um, but I haven't seen that trickle down to the way Mike picks his coaches yet. Maybe they'll tell him. May, you know what? I'm going to hold out hope for one thing, and it's a Hail Mary shot that whenever Mike sits down and it's with presumably Art and maybe there's a sit down with Omar and even Andy, like the brain trust here, that they sit down and tell him, we're helping pick, we're going to have major input, all of us, on who the next coordinator is. I, ha I have faith in Con and Weidel. I have faith in that combo. So hopefully they do have input because I do think those are two of the guys that have kind of twisted a little bit of the modern day moves into the organization. I think Omar knows what good modern football looks like, and I think Andy knows how to find guys that help you play good modern football.